0: This podcast is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging, and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded, and that modern Australia has never come to terms with what was done to Indigenous people who were already on the continent prior to colonisation.
1: Well, may we say, God save the Queen, because nothing will save the Governor General. You know I've searched my heart to better ways to push and pull Hey, whatever gets you through these days Hello
0: and welcome to Well May We Say, a progressive podcast about Australian politics. This is episode 129 for Saturday 30th of May 2020. I'm Jeremy Sear and each week I'll be joined by a different guest host to help me discuss what's just been happening to the country, what's likely to happen and hopefully what we can do about it. And tonight's guest host is returning guest host, Cam Smith. Welcome back, Cam!
1: Thanks, Jeremy. I'm glad to be back.
0: I'm very excited to get you on because you know, five minutes ago
1: I was listening to you on the radio talking about your passion for wasps. I will just say that I was heavily edited in that interview. Uh, Well, not heavily edited, but they faded me out before I explained that it's just the internet thinks I care about wasps and that I may be starting to, but it's not my fault.
0: But the internet only thinks you care about wasps because it's monitored everything that you do uh, on the internet, except for the bits that are in relation to, you know, Keeping tabs on the world's worst cranks, uh, which you apparently do on a different computer, logged in on a different ID. So basically, the ID, the, the computer usage that you are choosing to share with the internet leads it to believe that you want to know more about WASPs. And I fixated yeah, on or, WASPs.
1: Well, and I'll just say, it thinks I want to know more about WASP removal, so that's very anti-WASP. That's so, true. But, but it only
0: came to that conclusion after you obviously telling it all about your, your you know, little WASP. Habitat that you have in your house, your favourite wasps, the little wasp outfits you knit for the wasps. Like, obviously, at some point, given the lifespan of wasps, you're going to need wasp removal.
1: I think, I think you have a funny idea about how positive pro-wasp these <laughs> wasp removals are. They're, they're not r- removing them to somewhere else. They're removing them to heaven, Jeremy. <laughs> they're taking the wasps to a farm up state. Anyway, YouTube's decided I want to watch wasp removals, and it's creepy and calming at the same time, so I won't argue until it decides I want to watch something else. I'm
0: sure that talking about wasps on podcasts and on the radio won't in any way increase the amount of wasp content you're exposed to. Yeah, this is not going to help, thanks. (laughs) Anyway, I wanted to actually start the podcast not talking about wasps, but talking about, from the very beginning of this episode, the first words you hear after the acknowledgement thing is goff. Well may we say. Exactly, and well may we say... God save the Queen, because finally we're going to get to find out what it was that she was writing to John Kerr at the time. And, you know, only, you know, 45 years late. But we might be able to find out, because notwithstanding the fact that uh, the National Archives didn't want to share it with the public. I mean, I don't understand why the National Archives would be wanting to share information with historians. I mean, it's not part of their role. Anyway... They, they wished to keep it hidden, uh, even long after the, normally it would be exposed after 30 years, uh, it will come out, and then they're like, no, no, this correspondence between the head of state and, and her representative in Australia about the uh, sacking of the Prime Minister of Australia, it's private.
1: Yeah. It's just personal. Well, there could just be some really juicy gossip in there.
0: Well, I mean, what what is Liz thinking today, knowing that it's going
1: to get out there? Well, the thing is, it might not even get out for for a while because I think the, they've said now that this decision's come down saying they have to release it, now they've got to go through and check it all.
0: That's <laughs> right. And Hawking's like, uh, you've had a very long time. I've been fighting for this like a decade. Uh, so the news part of it is that the High Court has said uh, no, has overturned the federal court saying, no, we, you can't compel the archive to re- re- release it. And the High Court has said, no, actually you can't. Their refusal is not, not warranted. Because, you know, as as even what the dissenting judge, dissenting judge said in the federal court, hard to imagine anything that could possibly be more sort of public historical information uh, than this, really.
1: Yeah. I guess, I mean, it seems weird that the National Archives would be interested in, you know, protecting the reputation of the Queen. Like, if the Queen is saying, yep, definitely sack him, obviously that's not a good look, but does anyone care that much anymore that we would say, all right, Republican now? I think
0: people care, and I think that... But the fact that people care about a historical thing is not a basis for it being concealed. I would argue actually the reverse. Um, but yeah, I mean, presumably the Queen... I mean, who's got a motive for concealing it? The Governor General's yeah. office? The, um, the, the Queen? But they don't really control the National Archives. So why exactly the National Archives is fighting? I would have thought at this point that National Archives should just be like, cool, well, we did what we could. Yeah. We wasted a lot of public yeah. money fighting this. Uh, we lost High Court's decided. That's it. Here they are, ready to go.
1: Yeah. Maybe in the letters she's just like, so John Allen Dulles told me that we need to get rid of this guff guy. <laughs> so get it done. I just assume
0: that the main reason is that it's full of a lot of swearing and it's just really contrary to the <laughs> Queen's
1: image. Yeah, but then that's the sort of thing that would endear her to us. Like when we found out that Kevin Rudd likes to swear, we're like, oh, he's all right. <laughs> it's just full of, full of abuse. Just full
0: of random and, and really colourful language. The kind of colourful language that so far the palace has been able to keep a lid on in public, and and it'd just be hard to deny. And I mean that, what kind of a system have we got when your head of state can't use frank, very colourful, blue, outrageous language when discussing with her representative in Australia whether uh, they should interfere with the democratic process in Australia? I, I feel like if you if you shut down that if you if you make it clear that forty five years later that information will be exposed to the public, then really are, are those people as they they plot um, behind our backs? Are they going to feel as free to do so? I feel it's going to it's going to curtail it a little bit. They'll have to be a little bit more cunning about it. I just feel that that I mean, it's you just got to be. They're going to have to be careful now. They're just going to have to delete those emails immediately after sending them.
1: Yeah, or delete them 29 years after they send them so that they can't be released the next year. Uh, you've probably paid more attention to this because your podcast is called Well May We Say Than Me, but like It, it other happened letters... Friday afternoon.
0: No. And it, this is why we specifically did not record Friday morning. We were about to record and then we're like, wait a minute, we know what happens on Friday afternoon and we'll get to the other one. But yes, this was
1: Friday afternoon. But before these letters, were there other letters that were a fine to look at? like other letters between the queen and the governor general or is it just these specific ones?
0: I don't think so. I think they've all been I think that like cuz make no sense to let some through and not others. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that all of that correspondence got blocked. But uh, I mean that it to be fair, I am pulling that out of my house. Just yeah. seems it just seems plausible. I my understanding is that it's that the whole lot cuz I can't imagine I can't imagine it
1: being some and not the rest.
0: Anyway, uh, it's a pity that that Goff is not here to um, be outraged.
1: Yeah, especially because they'd have to make him Prime Minister again if it was revealed (laughs) that it wasn't a a fair call.
0: (laughs) I'm sure that's how it works. You're basically just like, okay, yes, you you get rid of the entire uh, entire Australian Parliament from 2020, uh, replace them with the still living members of the Parliament from 1975 and prop up the ones who aren't, and uh, restore the that, that government, yeah. I, I'm yeah. pretty sure that's how that
1: works. Take Triple J back to 2 Double J. Well,
0: they're trying to do that with, what is it, the thon or Request... What's the thing?
1: Palooza. I know <laughs> what you're talking about.
0: Yeah, that's the thing where people... I, it hasn't all that... That Triple J thing, hasn't it just pretty much established that either Triple J people, listeners hate Triple J because they, they hate the music that it plays, or alternatively, that the people who respond to Triple J things on Twitter aren't the same people who listen to Triple J.
1: Yeah, I think the people listening to Triple J are probably wondering what the hell's going on.
0: <laughs> it must be frightening. But it's like, what the hell is this stuff? Where'd it come from? So yes, for the second Friday in a row, the government snuck out information that would it would rather be buried by the news cycle on Friday afternoon, which is, of course, why we... Uh, look, we finally learned I don't know how long I've been doing the podcast for or This in the previous iteration But eventually it has finally sunk in That you don't record a podcast on Friday morning No Because it will be out of date Before you finished editing it So, uh, robot Ed, They've folded and they're going to pay back the money at $721 million
1: Yeah, now, did I read correctly That all of the people that killed themselves They're going to bring back to life as well?
0: Yes, that's true. Uh, I'm fairly sure that Stuart Roberts' department actually has some kind of black magic um, satanic temple down below, um, which is where they usually devise the policies with which they're going to run Centrelink, but now they're going to have to use it for reanimating the corpses of the uh, deceased people who suffered and died as a result of the... uh you know, the, the insane and cruel and, and uh, illegal process that they put in place to persecute them, um, to punish them for daring to ever access Centrelink in the first place.
1: Yeah, a policy that very, 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 very early on they were told by their own people, this is a little bit illegal.
0: Yeah. It was staggering that they thought that they could, well, but that's the thing, until the class action lawsuit, which incidentally, shutting down class action lawsuits turns out to be one of this government's priorities for this term. Fancy that. Anyway, the class action lawsuit has finally forced them to do it. So I think they thought they could brazen it out. Mm. And and fundamentally, it achieved its aim, which was making anybody who was contemplating applying for Centrelink terrified of doing so, ever. So it wasn't so much the money that they ground out of the very poor, although that was, you know, satisfying to them as evil people who like to see the poor suffering. But I think the biggest point for them of the process was as a threat to anybody else who might consider getting some assistance between jobs, not worth it. Mm. Just, just, just find a way to sort of scrape through without talking to us because if you talk to us, we will make you suffer. And not just now, not while you're receiving the benefit, but years down the track when you've forgotten about it. We'll wait till you, all your records have gone, you moved house, and then we'll be like, ha, you owe us
1: money because we're assholes. <laughs> I feel like I'm repeating myself. I'm sure I've said this on your show before, but like just on the face of it, the idea, the process was so flawed. It was fundamentally flawed the way that they were determining these debts. Yeah,
0: well, being that you were comparing a yearly data set with a fortnightly data set, mm. as if those were the same, as if anybody who receives as a um, you know, job job seeker or whatever it was at a new start at the time, um, as if they if they must be working the same fortnights, same amount every fortnight across the year, which is an obviously an absurd assumption. And the reason why, and the bit that we used to hit Labour for, and, and Labour deserves to be punched for letting this go on as long as it did, but at least in the end, they did sort of um, get involved in the class action. But the original process was like matching these data sets, and then a human being would review them and go, okay, yeah, no, that's clearly not a debt. You've got to, yeah, obviously. That data, that it, it looks it looks to the computer because the computer's trying to compare two different things. Hmm. It, it, it flagged it, and we looked at it and we're like, yeah, no, it's probably fine. Well, or, or we asked you to to clarify or whatever.
1: So that was the, that was the Labour uh, robo debt system.
0: And what the Coalition did is take out the human beings and be
1: like, we just generate debts. But like, yeah have a letter. I guess that, I'm not sure which is worse because like with the Labour one, it's like, well, you're doing this, you're getting all of these false positives, and you wasting money throwing them out, to, 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 then to what end? Like, the tiny amount that you're figuring out from it.
0: Yeah, it was a dumb idea in the first place. Well, the other bit doesn't make any sense is, like, if you do want to compare those two data sets, then surely the amount... You basically add up all of the fortnights to for that person that you do have the data for. Does that fall within the... I mean, what they've learned over a year... But it seems like why would they be reporting accurately and then suddenly stop either? Like it doesn't. Those just. It's just a dumb idea in the in the beginning. I was thinking, oh, what if you could just add up all the fortnights and then compare them with the total? But the problem with that is that people won't be declaring all their fortnights necessarily for a whole year because they, if you're not receiving the payment anymore, you don't have to declare fortnights anymore.
1: Yeah, it's, this is what I mean. It was fundamentally flawed from the like the very beginning. Even when it wasn't incredibly cruel, it was still stupid. Mm. <laughs> in every single way, it, couldn't,
0: it Yeah. Whoever came up with it, is it, is it it's basically the whole idea that that they should be able to... Somebody was like, well, we've got all these different data sets. Surely we could mash them together somehow and and uh, crack down on those poor people who are... you know There's Centrelink fraud that we pretend is real. Because um, there's no, nothing conservatives like to be determined about more than that there are poor people who are getting money that they shouldn't. Mm. And, you know, there are... Or if you're in America, there are poor people voting when I'd rather they didn't. Uh, or if there's... Like, it's all... They're so determined to believe that the worst off in society is somehow getting away with something. They're never that fascinated about going after the people on the at the very top who are get, clearly getting away with stuff, but really, really insights them the idea that somebody poor might be getting something.
1: Well, yeah. we saw the same thing with JobKeeper, which is, I think, the other thing we were about to talk about.
0: Well, let's, let's. So the previous drop, what was the previous drop? The previous drop, that was Friday afternoon that we got the RoboDebt thing. And so, as you say, JobKeeper, the release they dropped last Friday afternoon. After I would have recorded the podcast, but but you know, I cunningly didn't record an episode that week, so they didn't catch me.
1: Yeah, I feel like they've been, they thought they had you all worked out. They're like, he does it on Fridays. We just have to wait till Jeremy's done, and then we can do this. And you are tricking them.
0: Mm. I know it's, it's so much of the media cycle that he's working around, trying to skip this this particular obscure podcast. Anyway, so they had to release that they had, in fact. Uh, set up JobKeeper so poorly that there was $60 billion of the $130 billion that hadn't been allocated, that wasn't being spent, that, that that people hadn't qualified for. So you were supposed to be giving $130 billion worth of assistance to people, and you had failed to do that because you made it set up, up in such a way that it could only give $70 billion of assistance. And the Prime Minister, <laughs> so they dropped it on Friday afternoon to try and bury it. And then in case there were any of their voters who would be like, What's bad about a government program coming in under budget? That sounds good to me. They didn't go over budget. I'm glad that they saved $60 billion. Good on them. So for those morons, uh, Scummo tried his, ah, well, it's like if I'd built a house and coming in under budget. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a good thing. Um, Why would anybody be complaining about that? And you're like, well, your analogy would be if you said you were going to build a house that would be able to house six people and then you get to the end of the process and you say, well, I've come in under budget. Uh, although the house actually only only houses three people. Sorry about that, but anyway, you got the money back. Yeah. Yeah, that's the analogy, and maybe at that point people can see, oh, yeah, actually, it's a bit shit if you're supposed to be doing something, and there is a reason why you're doing it in the first place. You're building the house to house people, but you failed to house half of them. Um, If you're supposed to be keeping people with jobs, and you've managed to fail three million of them... Mm. That's a failure, you idiots! You didn't do your job. You didn't do the thing that the program was supposed to do, and the harm that you were trying to avoid will happen. Forward slash end
1: So what I was what I was going to say about JobKeeper is we're we're seeing this now the same thing about them not wanting anyone you know to scrape an extra cent. Is they're already looking at like looking into how many people are on JobKeeper who are now getting more money than they were being paid in the jobs that they had that are now they now can't do due to COVID. It's like they can't let anyone get away with it. Yeah, I mean, you've got to stop
0: those people who are getting $1,500 a fortnight. I mean, with that kind of wage, they'd almost be able to pay their rent. Yeah. I
1: mean, what What is wrong with these people? Do you know what? That should
0: be the minimum. Settling should be that. Nobody should be getting less than that. And all of the things, and we've ranted about this on the podcast before, but everybody who's on a really low wage who's like, oh, well, my wage is less than that. I'd be better off to just quit it and go and do that. Yeah, you should. And it should be a solid, solid enough thing that you would qualify for that you can do that And those employees who are exploiting you by paying you less than you would need to survive will have to pay you a living wage. Because any economy that's built on people living, working full time, and still not being able to put a roof over their heads, let alone one that's built on letting people be homeless in the first place, but particularly one that's like, yes, but our businesses can't afford to pay you a wage you can live on, Fuck those businesses. Yeah. They should be losing their workers to the freaking doll.
1: Yeah. It's not a stable economy, and that's why we see that apparently the economy could last a couple of weeks without uh, anyone working.
0: Yeah. How extraordinary, and, and how shameless of them to be trying to portray. that—that That is huge. Can you imagine, though, if we had a competent Labor Party that was able to seize on this stuff properly? Like, the, the robinette thing they could seize on in the sense of, hey, like this should piss everyone off, because even people who hate the poor, do you like... Spending an extra seven hundred and fifty-one million dollars because that's what their incompetence is costing you.
1: Yeah, I mean, to be fair, that's money that they were stealing off people. And they... True, true. Good point. They are so, not
0: well, no, but there's administration you take, so it will be. It'll lose taxpayers.
1: Yeah, money. I think what I would like to see them slamming them on, uh, like we saw in the Rudd Gillard Rudd years, uh, the Liberal Party slammed Don't them over. Sorry, <laughs> but but they slammed them You're over hanging around in those corners of the internet way too much. I know. They slammed them over pink bats, for years, which I know. I'm sure you've discussed at length was a program that actually saved lives. Yeah, yeah. The, the rate of deaths
0: was substantially lower than before they got involved, yes.
1: Uh, but people died because of robo debt.
0: Like- yeah, but you know what the difference will be as to why they won't be able to seize on it or why they won't bother even trying is because the people who died under, under pink bats were young tradies. Oh, you can make them sound sympathetic. Whereas the people who died um, as a result of being levied giant, vulnerable people who were suddenly told that they owed thousands upon thousands of dollars that they didn't know, then committed suicide, you can get you can bank on a huge proportion of Australians not giving a shit and being like, well, they killed themselves and, well, they're sponges in the first place and, and a burden to society and, you know, all the classic eugenic shit that underlies so much of right-wing thought. Yeah. Oh, no, d- it's just what I would like to
1: see. Yes,
0: <laughs> I mean you would hope you would hope that all that all human lives uh, have have a you know equal value and that uh, that that. You couldn't just sort of categorise somebody into worthy tradie or unworthy bludger and then not give a shit when they died. But keeping in mind that this is, you know, only a few weeks after we've had large parts of the political establishment telling us that some lives are worth more than others. <laughs> was that Miranda Devine's whole, whole thing that she was, like, express? she was saying the quiet part out loud? Like, we need to reopen the economy because, yes, some old people will die, but, you know, they're old. They're going to die soon anyway.
1: hmm yeah, it's the. Have you talked much about the the like the right wing reaction to COVID in Australia?
0: Not to the extent. We, I mean, we we covered. You've been on the podcast, and I'm sure you listen. You know, to each episode at least half a dozen times. But even people have only heard it once, uh, we, we did we did play uh, some of the wacky um, arrest Bill Gates protest in Melbourne, and I, I know I heard you on the radio this morning telling us that. There's a it looks like a slightly unhinged random collection of protests that are happening today around Melbourne. Yeah, and not not clear who's in charge of them, or like I feel it feels like there's going to be a whole lot of in different places. Like half a dozen people will show up, and what is happening with the crazy right wing? I I haven't been look. I'm not comfortable following it as closely as you follow it.
1: Yeah, um, to be honest, neither am I. Uh, I, th- I did I did hear your remark
0: to the radio saying, look. I'm more than happy for someone else to take this over. <laughs> and that really does feel like my attitude about doing the podcast too. When people are like, but what if what if the government stopped being shit? You'd have nothing to talk about on the podcast. I'd be like, that's a sacrifice I'd be prepared to make.
1: Yeah. So I guess for those that, that don't follow my tweets religiously, I've been sort of tracking the anti-lockdown movement in Australia, which is a very motley crew of like 5G people... Like anti 5G people, uh, anti vaxxers, sovereign citizens who, like people who don't believe that, uh, you know, the laws aren't real because the government uses the wrong constitution or, you know, the Freemasons control the government and stuff. And so we've seen like anti lockdown rallies in Australia that are being run by those people, which is a bit different to what you've seen in the United States where uh, it's more possibly Trump-aligned people who are doing these things. And, you know, there's probably elements of this other these other people in there as well, but it's being pushed by, you know, Trump people and maybe a little bit of astroturfing or whatever. But what I was actually going to say about, like, the, the for lack of a better word, the mainstream right-wing in Australia, have you noticed that there... I've seen some people talking about how we need to end the lockdown. Like, I think James Patterson... I've seen. Well,
0: the IPA was out there. You had Gideon Rosner's out there a couple of weeks ago, being like, "Do you remember that video they played? Where it was basically, it, it actually sounded a bit like we played a bit of from the music from Starship Troopers underneath it because it very much felt like that bit at the end of you know we need to get out there and and you know not let this virus take us down. And we'll fight and we will win. It felt a bit like that.
1: Yeah. So I th- I'm seeing people like on the on the hard right of the Liberal Party sort of getting out there. And saying, you know, we need to end the lockdown, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I don't know how much um, purchase it's getting. I think they're just putting their feelers out. Because yeah, they're
0: trying it. Like it, it, they don't want to tie themselves to it too closely. And you know, Scummer from the beginning was opposed to most of the things that the premiers did to shut things down that have actually saved lives. Um, and they still like to take the credit for the low numbers, whilst also blaming the. Cre- they try to have it both ways. So the you know damn Labor states who have uh, taken away your freedoms you know we we wouldn't do that but on the other hand how well have we managed it as a country you know you've got to, got to admit that Scummo's sorry that our great Prime Minister Scott Morrison has done such a an amazing job keeping the country running we've done so much better compared with the comparable countries but then at the second, the, a second later he'll like you know stab the people who've um, actually actually done the work did you see um, I, I'm not going to bother finding the audio of it but basically <laughs> he was talking to um, it must have been on that stupid Studio 10 thing. Um, I think Kennelly was saying, asking him, you know, if you had Palaszczuk and and uh, Andrews in the room, what would you say to them? You know, it must be, oh, what would you say? It's something it must be very frustrating for you. Uh, you're trying to run the country in this difficult time, and you've got these these premiers not towing the line. Like, if you've got a dialogue out there that that that's the, these radical premiers are taking away all of our liberties, and then you get the benefit too. Of, if if they have managed the the pandemic successfully, then it seems less serious.
1: Yeah. So, but I think that's part of why they're they're not getting a huge amount of purchase with this stuff because it has been managed reasonably well.
0: And they're trying it. They're trying to see if they can persuade people that it that it hasn't. That it's not that it was managed well. That it was never a serious thing in the first place. Yeah. Because they look the same.
1: Those two things look identical. I think if we had thousands of dead though, like in the, in the US, like they just ticked over a hundred thousand. Maybe it's easier to say. Let's all go back out there when you know people are dying. Anyway, when we've got this situation where people aren't dying, it's sort of hard to say. Well, we could have a few. We could have a lot more people die. Let's go.
0: Yeah, I think they're trying to. They're not trying that way. They're trying the. It's fine. You know, we're 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 safe where we are. We're a long way away. But it's like the same thing with the GFC. The fact that America was destroyed largely by it, and we managed to sail through reasonably well because of a, you know closely a quickly run stimulus package. Um, And, of course, if you do that quickly and and have the effect that you need, then you'll be able to identify waste in it because it's impossible for government to do it 100% accurately. But, But the overall effect is a positive one. But then, if you're the critics of that, you can just sort of constantly highlight, pull out as if they're representative small amounts of, of going the wrong way or something, and then spend the next decade whinging about it and saying, "Look, we didn't need it after all." And apparently, that you get away with that, even though you can see what happened in other countries that didn't do that. Yeah. So maybe they think they can get away with it because you would think that the immediate counterexample to everything they're saying about COVID nineteen is look at them, uh, look at
1: America. Yeah. Or, I mean, the UK were originally going with their herd immunity plan, and I think there was some suggestion that we were going to do that as well. Oh,
0: it's terrifying. Well, if it had been up to Scummer, I think we would have. Like, I think that's... We did... all, All of that talk... You know, when you first become aware of how Australia is structured as a kid... You've got your local government, you've got your state governments, and you've got your federal government. You're like, that's a lot of different layers of government. Do we need all those different layers? What if we just got, oh, no, we need to have some local stuff to run the bins. And because we need, we're kind of a country, we kind of need to have the federal government. Do we need the states? Couldn't the state stuff be done by the federal government? And that's like a pretty typical approach when you first, as a you know, high school student, learn start to understand what the how the country is structured. But I think we've seen in this case... Just how helpful it is to have that federal structure and have a level in between that is able to react on a bigger scale than councils, but, but uh, isn't constrained by trying to keep all parts of the country happy simultaneously. And Victoria was able to deal with it, not worry too much about what Queensland was planning on doing. Um, and we always, you always assume it wouldn't be good if everybody was running the same way as Victorious, but that's not what would happen we'd end up being run the way that Queensland and Western Australia are run like <laughs> it go the other way
1: yeah I mean if you want to see a more extreme example of it you look at Brazil where Bolsonaro is walking this weird tightrope of I guess when COVID first came to Brazil a lot of it was being brought in by rich elites who <laughs> are like his base yeah cause not,
0: not like not like the people in the favelas are travelling far
1: yeah And so he was sort of downplaying it, and he's still downplaying it, and he's probably been a major vector of COVID in Brazil. Didn't he have it himself, personally? He's denied that he had it, but uh, he was, like, in close contact with a lot of people that had it. And then he's been out in close contact with thousands and thousands and thousands of people at rallies shaking hands and kissing babies and things. But in Brazil, (gasps) it's... My baby got COVID-19 from the president! Oh my goodness! You just got a signature. It's not as it's not as bad as it could have been because the governors and you know the mayors shut down and locked down, and he's like fighting with them and talking about you know sending in the army to open it up again. But it's yeah, you need those extra layers of a uh, government to just stop this sort of
0: yeah, like you said. Well, particularly when you have a crank in charge like a like a Bolsonaro or a Trump or in our case a Scummo. like it's very helpful having some alternative pushing back. Now, obviously, that can backfire when you've got, got governments trying to do something, federal governments trying to do something positive and a bunch of recalcitrant state governments because, you know, that, that flip has happened. But I think overall, we're probably, I think we've seen at least the, the positive aspects of the federal system uh, when this has been
1: happening. Well, the other thing they dropped on Friday afternoon in an attempt to evade your eye was uh, the disbanding of COAG.
0: It seems to fit in with this thing, because there's still a COAG, there's still a Council of Australian Governments, it's just called a different thing. Like, it's not called COAG, it's the, what's it, the National Cabinet? Yeah. All right. well, I mean, you can call it, it, it's effectively, COAG was started in 1992, uh, so that would be under the Keating Government, so a Labour Government. And it does seem that it is very classic of uh, the this particular government, this particular conservative government. But I mean, I'm, Howard did the same thing too. But but just the Morrison government um, and 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 the Abbott and um, Turnbull governments. So as one one consecutive. Anyway, I'm going down the rabbit hole. My point is, they do seem to like to take things that Labor's done. Uh, and then disband them and replace them with something that's functionally identical, just has a different name. Um, and we, the other one we saw this week was they're now having to put up some money to start doing some more Australian broadcasting in the um, Pacific, uh, although they're making it uh, as as white and uh, middle class Australia as they possibly can. But they're trying to they're putting all this money in now to boost that up again after they shut down the Australian network. Yeah. <laughs> like we had a thing that was doing that more efficiently, had had everything in place, was established had a reputation had built that all up they shut they axed it and now they have to start spending more money to try and put something back in place when they realize oh yeah actually there was value to that thing that we didn't bother valuing properly and they do that all the time they take on something that's working they kill it and then they're like but now look at us put money back
1: yeah I mean the thing is with coag and the national cabinet is that they are they they're very similar but they there are big differences so coag there was a you know, a level of transparency there. You could FOI, COAG stuff. But the National Cabinet is in confidence. We'll read about it in 30 years, but... uh, (laughs) Not if the Queen has has anything to say about it. Look... These were
0: personal, private conversations between the state premiers and the prime minister. It's like they, they, it was just a personal. we were just having a friendly chat. It's it shouldn't be released to the public.
1: Yeah, but we, we won't. We don't have any insight into what's going on now. And also, as I watched on Facebook Live yesterday, uh, the entire thing is a Freemason scam. <laughs> what? Okay. okay. Yep. I've got
0: to. I've got to. Got to keep factoring in that your half of your information is coming from your double life as sort of a. a uh, a Batman of the uh, of the creepy right wing world.
1: It's just I, I watched this long video of someone saying, you know, the states have been completely removed now, which I don't. It's <laughs> not how it works.
0: Completely, completely removed. I mean, I think if, if there's one thing we've definitely seen throughout this whole crisis is that the states don't exist anymore. Yeah. Those borders, those borders have completely fallen away. Nobody can even remember where the borders are anymore. It's not like the border, the state borders have recently been a major issue or anything. They don't exist. The states are gone.
1: Well, you know, because COAG was gone, now the states didn't have any input, which is like the opposite <laughs> is not the problem with COAG being replaced with the national cabinet. But then they went on to say that uh, all governments are infested with Freemasons. And so, but then my thinking was, what does it matter that they took the states out of it if it's just like one less Freemason branch, or are the different <laughs> Freemason branches like having arguments? Like the, the federal Freemasons are saying, oh, we need to open things up, and the state Freemasons are saying, no, we need to keep it locked down because we have a lot of elderly people in the Freemasons.
0: That's, I mean, it does seem to be a plausible theory that Australia. What we've seen in Australia is basically a breakdown in communication between different branches of the Freemasons. I mean, that just, he just, it just, Occam's Razor, Cam. It just makes sense. Yeah. So I suppose before we go, we better better check in with what Scummo's is doing in place of. Uh, we've got an extra sixty billion dollars that had been allocated that, that's not been spent. And he's announced another job, a job program this week, a thing that's called job because it's never, about, it's never about keeping citizens comfortable, improving the quality of our lives or anything. It's only The only thing that this government gives a shit about is um, making us do labour for people for as little as possible. So what's, what's he announced? In, the, in That we had job keeper and job seeker. And what have we got now?
1: So now we have job maker. And I, I will just say on that last point you made that uh, when he announced that the National Cabinet is replacing COAG, one of the points he made was that their singular focus will be jobs.
0: <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a sickness for these people. Like, they that is not the defining characteristic of what... And, and they they never mean... They don't mean careers. They don't mean things that are fulfilling, that are back. The positive aspects of, you know, contributing to society. They only mean the thing where you do underfunded labour to make somebody else rich.
1: That's what they mean by jobs. That's all they're ever talking about. So Job makers, the new program... Uh, it's there's sort of two halves to it. One half is about reforming uh, training. Oh, reform! That's a good word. It must be good things. So it's a sort of a two part scheme. The first part is about reforming training.
0: So that just means shoving more people. In. Oh no! Does it doesn't mean. Funding some parts of the TAFEs that they've deliberately run into the ground, or does it mean sending more people to the uh, hideous job network providers that are basically just a scam, taking taxpayer money to persecute the poor? So
1: cynical, Jeremy. It's actually about better linking funding to actual forward-looking skills needs based on what what businesses need, which we've seen them do before, where they they work out the areas that are you know there are not enough people working in, and then they fund those TAFE courses or they you know they reduce those the Price than those tape courses to try and funnel people into, you know, hairdressing or cyber or whatever. And then they're just sort of shuffling it around. See, that, that feels like businesses are like, more likely to push for that kind of
0: thing when they're having to pay better wages to staff. Uh, we'd like more people that we can choose from, thanks. We'd like them to be competing with each other so that we can pay them less. Uh, business doesn't seem to be very, very good at looking forward to what the needs going to be in like two or three years for other areas.
1: It's just the ones that are right now being like, yeah, we've got to pay them more. I'd like to pay them less. If there's more people that are trained in this stuff, we can pay them less. Yeah. They also want to simplify the system, reduce distortions, Mm. and achieve greater consistency between jurisdictions.
0: Were these simplifications and distortions identified by the IPA or the HR Nichols Society by any chance?
1: There's a good chance of that. Now, here's some good news. They want to increase funding. Oh, good. and And transparency. Oh, lovely. And performance monitoring. Wait, in what way? Well,
0: we'll find out I'm sure it will be good I'm sure it will be definitely sort of worker focused And not screwing over worker focused
1: Yeah, and we've seen with these governments And this government That when they talk about performance monitoring They're talking about cuts So when they say increase funding uh, They don't mean increased funding
0: Well, they might, they might be increasing funding to the parts That then identify the cuts
1: Yeah the other half of this, though, is massive IR reform, Ooh. so industrial relations reform. That's good because because currently the
0: balance is very much weighted towards employers and away from employees. Yeah, and it's been very rough. Uh, so there definitely needs to be some uh, some IR reform to improve workers' rights because at the moment, like the right to industrial action is incredibly curtailed. Uh, the 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 Fair Work Commission seems to be stacked with people who are very hostile to workers. So that's good news. Some IR reform. Uh, Do
1: you know what they have in mind? Yes, there are five policy areas being focused on. Award simplification. Uh, Uh, Wait, 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 wait. How does that benefit anything? Well, I don't know if you've been following the news in the IR space, but there's been a lot of problems lately with uh, massive wage theft. Uh, And one of the things that they often cry about when they get caught out stealing money from workers, is, oh, the award is too complicated. I didn't know how much I was supposed to pay. Yeah, true. If you remove the amount that they have to pay the workers in in the first place, then they won't be underpaid. Yeah, There's there's this idea that awards are somehow complicated, whereas it's not. It's very simple math, but they're going to simplify it more. By by taking out workers' rights and entitlements. Uh, They're going to focus on enterprise agreement making, uh, which, again... How that is going to be done is up in the air. This is—they're just, just giving us the, the basics. Uh, they're going to look at ooh. casual and fixed-term employees. Uh, so, if history is any judge, increased casualisation, no doubt. <laughs> uh, looking at compliance and enforcement, uh, which will be. Oh, <laughs> that I know what that means. That means that means punishing unions more. I know how that and works. And looking at Greenfields agreements for new businesses. So that's a Greenfields agreement is like a new union agreement or a new agreement between workers and a new business mm. i think feel like i saw something
0: about them making it illegal to have industrial action on major projects too yeah so essentially what this is going to be is not wasting this crisis unity to not shove a bunch of your nasty shit that you you wanted anyway get a bit bit of your program and your agenda through being to make it harder for workers to unionize and to make, make their conditions shitty. yeah
1: so i think it was only like a week ago that because they've They've just failed to bring in like a huge union busting program. Yeah, and
0: but, but it will never die. It's this. So it's like we know where we want to go, and we are just going to keep pushing in that direction relentlessly forever. And if we, there were any of us as individual members of the government who were thinking about slacking off, we we're like, well, we tried, we failed. Let's let's concentrate on something else. You know, we gave it a go. No, because the people who are giving that party money will always push for it because. The corporate interest involved doesn't get old and die; they don't get tired. They just rejuvenate with new blood and push and push and push forever. Yeah, till they get what they want. But it was
1: like it wasn't like that. The, they decided that it wasn't a good idea. It was just they couldn't get it through because of those. Yeah, so we'll just try another avenue. Yeah. And so that I think that's what we're good. There's no detail yet about what this is, and at least labor is. Saying we should be suspicious about this But we should be very suspicious <laughs> I think that's a fair call But yeah, I love the idea Oh, well, we failed to get it through Parliament What if we
0: pretended it was about making jobs? Which we presumably said a different way But what if we linked it to the bit where we What if we linked it to the crisis? Will, will, our, will, our, will our terrible, shitty ideas be more palatable If we claim that it's the only way That we can come out of this crisis? Maybe Are you dumb enough to fall for that? Let's try it If we fail, we'll just try another one We'll try again and again and again yeah. And even if we get it, that won't be the end of it. We'll just try for the next thing. Like there is no end to this. Great. All right. So so job keeper, job seeker and job maker.
1: Are you aware of any other ones that might be coming? I don't up? want any more. Cuz it was hard enough when I couldn't remember what JobMaker was called. If you type in job seeker and job keeper, like n- none of them are like, and the third one's job maker. They're all just like, here's everything you need to know about these. It's like, oh, come on. In fact, when I looked, when I finally remembered it was called job maker and looked it up, one of the first news results was an article called 1000 times more kills, ominous job maker warning, which was a little bit worrying, but uh, it was some like small business guy talking about how small business is going to be killed by uh, this new program. Really? How, how is uh, by the new one? Why do, why do they think small businesses are going to be killed by it? So it's this guy from the Fortune Institute. So take that with a grain of salt. That sounds like an interesting organisation. But uh, I think he's only talking about the training side of it. And so all of this money is going into training, or at least that's how he sees it. And he thinks that it, the money should be going to the businesses themselves rather to you know help them train how to work better rather than...
0: Uh. We'd rather have uh, underpaid apprentices and uh, sort of trainees than, than having them coming in from tapes and having to potentially pay them for the for the you know training they've already received from that was actually proper training rather than you know just using them as cheap labor yeah we need we need, yeah, that, we
1: need more than job keeper we need business keeper
0: mm. I, I, Dave uh, Gorrod C- Gak. Gore- Dave Gulkrodger at DFG77 on Twitter. I don't know, I've seen, seen that guy's name somewhere. Um, he was suggesting that, uh, the, that the upcoming ones would be uh, Job Cheaper, further cuts to penalty rates and conditions. Uh, job Deeper, easier approvals for coal mines. Uh, job Leaper, program to award government grants to LNP mates above worthy recipients. Job Reaper, increasing the starting age of the pension so that you're closer to death before you're eligible. Uh, job Taker, blaming migrants for the youth unemployment rate. Job faker, allowing employment agencies to claim fees for people who found a job without their assistance. Job shaker, an anti-union bill that will be introduced in the name of Workplace Flexibility. Job sweeper, renaming the Green Army to reflect more the kind of work it offers. And uh, job aker, a plan, plan to force unemployed people to become fruit because we'll have no transport or relocation support provided. So I, f- I feel like Dave made made the joke as well as anybody could, uh, and uh, we, we pay him credit, whoever he is. Dave Gurkrodger. Yeah, he
1: sounds, he's got a, he sounds like an ideas man. Have you ever considered doing a podcast with him? I mean, he's got a beard. Maybe, maybe he does qualify for a podcast. He's a white guy with a beard and opinions about politics.
0: Get him on. We'll try and snap him up, yeah. So we're recording this in Reconciliation Week, and... It's good that we can combine this with an Australia versus humanity. Uh, and by good, I mean it's horrifying. Okay, it's not that Scott Morrison was doing his horrible thing where he tries to appropriate. Do you know how he does that thing where when he's doing a welcome to country at the beginning, he tries to now shove in a bit of a welcome to veterans and servicemen and women to try to make that that a thing. Mm. Uh, it's not even the bit where when he was talking about his horrible new job maker policy, like he tried to link it with Indigenous care for country. He did this. He said, uh, the second principle of job maker will be caring for country, a principle that indigenous Australians have practiced for tens of thousands of years. This is as much true for our environmental, cultural and natural resources as it is for our economic and financial ones. Governments must live within their means to not impose impossible debt burdens on future generations. Yep. Policies to transfer more money to uh, the wealthy uh, to protect their economic interests. That is exactly the same sort of thing as looking after the environmental, cultural and natural resources of the country. The same thing. Basically, we're just doing what the Aboriginal people want us to do. Mm. And it's not like the economic imperative ever comes into direct conflict with the specific environmental, cultural and natural resources uh, in, in question that the Indigenous people are seeking to have looked after when they care for country.
1: No, that never happens.
0: So, bad news. Australia vs. Humanity, uh, did you, you saw presumably this week that Rio Tinto blasted the Jukan Gorge 1 and 2 Aboriginal rock shelters dating back 46,000 years. Sites that researchers had made, it became apparent that these were of enormous archaeological value as well as the cultural value to Indigenous people. They were the only inland site in Australia showing human occupation continuing through the last Ice Age. Of caused significant distress to the Putu, Kunti, Kuramara traditional landowners irretrievable loss for future generations. In fact, the local people only found out about it because they contacted Rio Tinto to you know, actually access the site. And Rio Tinto said, oh, yeah, we blew oh, that yeah, up. We
1: blew that up. Uh, there may have been irretrievable value in uh, those gorges, but uh, we retrieved some value out of them anyway. <laughs> There's bits of rock we
0: can flog off on the on the international market. Mm. Like, you know, isn't that, but as the Prime Minister said, in a way, that's, that's caring for country. Yeah. digging out parts of it and flogging it off overseas. It, it's you know the economic health of the country, and and I, I love when they talk about how how they're protecting it for future generations whilst transferring money from the you know the, the young to the old too. But anyway, that's the second part of it. So yes, this horrific thing occurs in this this week, reconciliation week, and it's uh, particularly infuriating because Rio Tinto had got the right to do that and had been granted that power from the minister in 2013. And then a year later they found out all of this additional archaeological and historical um, significance attached to those sites and they weren't allowed to go back and review it on the yep. ground. So, so the original decision that was made without knowing clearly relevant information was allowed to stand over that. And now you know, it's all lost.
1: Great. Makes sense. Well, in a way, it's like if we just ignore that year, where those couple of years where we knew about it, uh, we're just back to where we were in 2013. It's fine.
0: That's right. We've, we've only erased seven years, not 46,000 years. Yeah. But, but I hate the way that when we're talking about this, by the way, our sense of outrage is like it's kind of this laughing at it tone. That is not what we're feeling. It's just like it's the dark humour of just the absurdity and the, the madness and the, the lack cruelty of, of it. Like, yeah, it's, it's absurd. It's not funny. It's not, this is not a, a tone that is, indicates being amused it's uh one of the just i don't know how else to respond to something so horrifying just horrible i and just and it could happen again like this process is largely in place now they are looking at reviewing some of the process that that because um, the western this was in Western australia and the aboriginal heritage act 1972 over there is under review so you know now they're proposing to abolish the committee and, you know, consider views of the traditional Aboriginal owners, which, pre- which previously they weren't. But, I mean, it's 2020 that Rio Tinto got away with blowing it up. Like, there's been seven years for this to be fixed. The, the idea that they were able to get away with it all this time, our system's stuffed.
1: It's a terrible system. Yeah. But this should not have been able to happen. It's typical of their myopia, that it's not until they actually, oh, we had, we had to blow up. This cultural site, before we realised that uh, oh, maybe blowing up cultural sites is not the best way to do things.
0: And they did it deliberately. Like, it's not like the people at Rio Tinto were unaware of this. Yeah. Like, when they blew it up, they knew that it was a site with this significance. They just didn't care. And in fact, if they'd known that the government was about to change the law and stop them, they'd probably just blown it up quicker. They'd have gone, shit, we better get in before they change it on us. Like, these are terrible human beings. They did a, a bad thing because they had been given the power to do it but they knew it was a bad thing. Mm. And, and it's like so much of this stuff where they, they get these applications to destroy Indigenous cultural um, areas, so much of it is just opportunity. It's so much that's just the convenience of it. Um, I'm trying to think where, where it was, the, the recent one, where they wanted to they wanted to blow it up. They, they just... They, they failed. They lost the case. And so they just went around it. Like, it was to build a rail line. Like, just... These sorts of things, like, they have alternatives it 's just cheaper for them to blow up this you know uh, this site that it, that can't be recreated it is it is beyond value, and they can't they're just like no, we don't want to go around it we'd rather blow it up it's convenient, yeah, just the broken human beings anyway, Australia versus humanity we haven't been doing Australia versus humanity for a while, obviously Australia is continuous affronts against humanity what we're doing to the refugees right now it's just that nobody can actually. Talk with them and find out and see the the actual impact of what we're doing to them during the COVID nineteen. Because the last lot of people who did that were all charged for for breaking social distancing regulations. Yeah. Meanwhile, like a couple of weeks later, you had a bunch of cranks at the front of uh, Parliament House, you know, declaring that Bill Gates needed to be arrested, and they were much closer, and they weren't all arrested. Weirdly, yeah. weird. <laughs> but all of the people, all the people who were protesting for the refugees were. So yeah, no, Australia vs Humanity still still uh, very much the uh, the the general approach of the government uh, yeah, and s- still chugging along yeah no no we we certainly certainly haven't ceded to humanity we're, we're, and i don't think this government ever will cede to humanity i reckon that this government will continue its its fight against humanity for as long as it possibly can and it looks like that's that's for many years to come anyway that's probably an appropriate point to end this week's podcast of of uh the joy of this country. Cam, where can people find you? Because I can't find you on the bit of the radio that I just heard before I started recording because it's in the past.
1: You can find me on Twitter, at sexenheimer. You can find my podcasts, Gather Around Me and the Hypothetical Institute on podcast places. And you can find my radio show on 3CR, 4.30pm on Thursday afternoons and then podcasted afterwards at Yer Na Petaran.
0: Well, thank you very much to everybody for coming back and having a listen again.
1: Uh, thank
0: you to Dave Gilcroder for making a tweet that I was able to uh, quote on the podcast. We miss you, Dave. Thank you to uh, Patreon subscribers. You are how the podcast keeps going. Thank you so much for keeping the podcast going. Uh, thank you to a new new subscriber, new Patreon this month. Uh, Andrew, welcome on board. Thank you for coming to support us. Thank you to anybody who's left us a positive review on the iTunes. If you'd like to leave one, uh, we would appreciate it. That would be lovely. Otherwise, thank you to Alex Lum for the artwork. Thank you to Robin Gray for the music. And we will see you all next week, uh, which will be before the Friday news drop. Sorry. We, we just have to imagine what what wonderful what, what things that we'll find out about next Friday afternoon. You've learnt nothing. We'll do what we can. See you next week. Bye. Bye.